0: Praise God. (laughs) Um, I beg your pardon if I say something wrong in English. (laughs) My name is Richard Flores. I come from Puerto Rico. I live in the south part of Puerto Rico. Um, uh, Ten years ago, in my bedroom, I accept Jesus Christ as my personal Savior. Uh, I was reading a book, and it was wonderful. Um, during those years, I have loved the Lord with all my will, in my heart. Um, two years ago, I was a pastor of a little church um, in a little town besides my city in Puerto Rico. Uh, I was the past i I was pastor during two years, and right now I'm. Um, I'm a teacher in my in my in my church. I teach to to young adults, um, and I am in Wisconsin because I receive a grant from from the University of Puerto Rico where I study. Um, and when I came. Um, I'm doing a research in in the medical school. Someone make a mistake because I am a, a mathematics teacher and science teacher. Um. <laughs> but I am learning. I, I have learned so much. Um, but I, I told Kurt in the morning that I have discovered that I have made uh, two kinds of research. Uh, one in in science and one in about oneness. Hallelujah! <laughs> when I came, uh, um, I wanted to visit a church in here, in Madison. And I look, I read the phone book, uh, but it was a surprise because you have many churches in the in the phone book. The uh, but I, um, Lord, the Lord guide me to, be, to call here. And I, I like uh, an, a sentence written in the phone book about this church. It says, uh, you will discover the difference, or something like that. Um. <laughs> Hallelujah. Um, and when I came, it was a surprise to me. Um, to see uh, the movement of the Holy Spirit here, Um, I thought that all churches in in the United States um, were liberal. But it was a surprise because um, you have the same um, style of worship and holiness uh, like in my church. And I felt uh, like in my family, but I I felt uh, a little difference, and I didn't know what was the difference. Um. (laughs) Hallelujah. Um, One day, I was reading on the bulletin board uh, about a, a pastor who was baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. He was Trinitarian. And... It was a surprise to me, and one day i uh, talking with with Gary. <laughs> uh, we were talking about uh, uh, oneness, and I asked him, "Have you heard about Jesus Only?" And he told he said, "Well, the other persons call us Jesus Only," and uh, it scares me. <laughs> um and I, I wanted to to run to Puerto Rico. <laughs> um, um and I returned to my to my room in, in the university. Um team uh I don't know. God. <laughs> okay. Um have um I w- a week later, Tim um, visit me, and we, we talk about uh, oneness. And when he left, I, I say I'm going to show him that he's grown. And, and I, I spend all, all the week in the library, a memorial library in the campus, and I found uh, many books about oneness, and I found a book written in 9, uh by Robert Beckley. He was of, uh, one of the founders of early Quakers. And the book it was translated in Spanish and is in the special collections in, in the library. And I, I started to read in that book and it was a surprise to me. Um, and I I resist the uh, the voice of God, the, the, but it was a surprise. Um, a week later, Gary visited me, and he brought a, 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 a book, a Oneness of God, written by David Bernard. Um, he heard me, Gary heard my feelings, <laughs> because he was so sure about uh, his beliefs, and well <laughs> and i start to 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 read the book and i i read the book in two in two days um at the end i i i began to cry <sighs> because it was so real and the bo- I, I read the book backwards, and because in, in at the end uh, the author says uh, something about Trinitarian, and that's why I read the book backwards. And I have many questions, but each question that I have it was answered in the book. Each question, um, it was wonderful. <laughs> uh, um. I remember when I finished the book, I I began to cry. And the Lord gave me this verse. Um, It's in Genesis chapter 43, verse uh, 30. And Joseph made haste for his bowels, did yearn upon his brothers, and he sought where to weep, and he entered into his chamber, and wept there. And I went to the lake that night. Is, it was thir- last Thursday. And, and I said to God, I believe that you are one. Not three persons. You are one. Hallelujah. And I was planning to baptize myself in the lake. <laughs> but I wait. Um, the next morning, uh, the Lord gave me this verse in Genesis chapter 4, verse 26. And to Seth, to him also there was born a son. And he called his name Enos, Enoch, then began men to call upon the name of the Lord, and and that's, uh, Saturday, yesterday, yes, <laughs> I was baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. <laughs> In the morning, the Lord gave me this verse. Um, um, and the most important is the last part. Uh, now then, whatsoever God hath said unto thee, do. Uh, oh, but this, this is wonderful. Yesterday I, I was with you in the picnic And when I, when I went to my room, I went to the post office and I found this letter. Uh, the lady who wrote me is one of the leader leaders in, in my church. Um, I'm translating this, this part. The other day I, I dreamed with you in a dream, you sung and you you had a new song in English, and that song were, were very long and was very beautiful. Hallelujah! <laughs> <laughs> and I saw you, uh, and I saw you. Uh, given a speech in English with grand fluently. <laughs> I think he saw me in this moment. <laughs> um, but listen, and when I read this, I began to cry. Um, and I saw that you bring a new idea or something from the United States. <laughs> Let's stand together and go to the Lord in prayer. And have a- Jesus. I am a man of my brother. <laughs> Yes, Jesus. God will Hallelujah. be with you,
1: Richard, all the way even to the end Jesus, of
0: the world. He sees the place your dedication, name, your devotion, Jesus. your love. I
1: pray that you would empower him, Lord. Giving He has his hand on your upon spirit, you Jesus. to such way right now. To declare your word, Lord Jesus. Lord, Lord. Yes, Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus.
0: Praise the name of God. Mahatiru Sudhiat Me Iru Kyamo turusha haribikilo maruva mayetiku yeri sido maharukume mashiru kuy taramase.
1: Now at hand, in which a special effort is being made by all of my children, together in all of those who will sit with me in my throne. The righteous go forth. In this earth but let it be known that my Holy Spirit is gone even before you for my word declares that my house must be filled thus it will be fulfilled the saying they shall come from the east and the west and the north and the south and they shall sit down with Abraham Isaac and Jacob in my throne oh my child be aware that the Son of Man is soon to come back for his bride Prepare your hearts this night. Behold, I come quickly, saith
0: the Lord. Thank you, Gary and Tim, and and to his wife, because you were so patient with me. I love you all. God bless you. Pray for my family and my church.
1: Thank you And I want to read my scripture for tonight. Um, I do uh, really appreciate your, your prayers. Um, this next week, the um, California camp, California, is the second largest district that we have in the United Pentecostal Church now. Uh, they have about two hundred and ninety churches in the state of California. This camp meeting uh, will be a very special time. Uh, California, like all other districts in, in recent years, because of great growth, uh, they have experienced a variety of ideas and philosophies and various things. And I just want to be a blessing. I want to help. I'd, the camp is over on Friday, and I'd like to fly back right after the camp is over. The reason why I'm, I am staying Sunday mornings is because uh, the plane ticket round trip uh, to L.A. is $1,183. But if you stay over Saturday, it's 352 So <laughs> that's just the way the plane tickets are, as you know. And, and they're out a lot of expense on their their camp and they ask if you can do that we occasionally ask some of our speakers to do that but uh, that's the only reason why I'm staying I'm not preaching anywhere on Sunday morning I'm leaving eight o'clock in the morning to get back here in the afternoon and to be with brother sister show for our service but do pray pray much I want to preach tonight on the subject my faith is not for sale and I want to take this from 1 Kings, the 21st chapter. This is a story about a wicked king, Ahab, who coveted Naboth's vineyard. Naboth. Had a vineyard which was in Jezreel, the Bible says, and it was next to Ahab's palace. Now, Ahab was a wicked, wicked king. How would you like to live next door to hell? Well, that's where the church is. I have you to know that the church is camping on the doorsteps of hell. But the Bible says the gates of hell shall not prevail against the church of the living God. The Bible says with fear we pull them out of the fire. Now I'll just read verse 3 and we'll talk about the story. And Naboth said to Ahab, in other words he was approached, because the king wanted his vineyard, but he had inherited this. And Naboth said to Ahab, "The Lord forbid it me, that I should give the inheritance of my fathers unto thee." God bless you. you may be seated. My faith is not for sale. By faith we need, we mean my walk with God, my experience, or my relationship with God it is not for sale I think uh <clears throat> one of the healthiest things that can happen to a congregation is when we when we have as, as many missionaries as we've had to come by and as many different experiences this experience brother uh Richard standing up here tonight the power of the Lord come down the way that the Lord came down I I think that you you begin to understand that God is just not a Wisconsin God <laughs> It is amazing Uh, how many people think in terms of, like, the Western world, that God is an American God, and he is not an American God. He's a God to the Americans. But you can go into a lot of foreign countries, and I've been in several, preach the gospel, and it is amazing to me how faithful God is to people. Just testimony after testimony after testimony. How God is dealing with people. Isn't it amazing that all the way in Papua New Guinea and down in in Puerto Rico and all over the world, God is dealing with people tonight just like He's dealing with us. Sometimes you can leave the service and you can meet someone like Precious Faith the next week. You said, oh, you should have been in Madison last Sunday night. And they say, "Wow, you should have been in our church last Sunday night. You know this is so great you want to share it with everyone, but you find out that everyone has that same feeling because God is moving everywhere, and I definitely believe if I've ever believed anything, I definitely believe that Jesus Christ is getting this church rapture ready Now I believe that I have never been more convinced of this that." at our camp in Minnesota that we had last week. Now, it's week before last because this is the first day of the week. But uh, on Friday, now Minnesota runs their camp a little, little different than what we do. They have a morning service, and then when the Bible teacher finishes, uh, they have some business that they take care of on the platform with workers and such, so not much of a uh, chance for an altar call. But Friday, when I finished teaching, the power of, God came down in such a mighty way that, that nobody wanted to leave, nobody would leave. And we had tongues and interpretation and the Spirit of God just fell and people were weeping and crying and praying about their fruitfulness in God. In other words, I want to be more productive. I want to do something for God. Never had so many people come and talk with me from this congregation about witnessing Talking to people about God. There's one thing for sure. You will not keep your faith if you don't share it with someone. See, <clears throat> faith and love are the only things that I know of that you can, the more you give away, the more you have left. It just seems to get bigger and better as you share it. If you don't share it, you end up with nothing. Like the one boy going off to war, he told his mother, said, don't worry about me. He said, I will not lose the faith. And so when he came back, his mother asked him, said, are you still saved? He said, oh, yes. She said, how did you stay saved with all of the, all of the ridicule and, and persecution and soldiers give each other, especially men of faith? He said, well, I found this out. It was easy to keep it when I didn't tell anybody I had it. So he said, I just never told anybody I was a Christian, and nobody bothered me. Needless to say, that's the fastest way to backslide that I know of. The fastest way. But I believe that God is raising up among us faithful servants and witnesses. Every time you turn around, somebody's getting baptized, somebody's being filled with the Holy Ghost, somebody's being delivered from sin. But needless to say in times in which God seems to move the most the devil launches a counterattack it comes strong and hard against you many many people that perhaps you do not know and I do not know they have died defending the faith the bible is full of them and of course history records uh, so many who have given their lives for the cause of the Lord Jesus Christ. And what I'm seeing is that, 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 that because people are not developing a relationship, when I said my faith is not for sale, I'm talking about my experience, my walk with God. I'm talking about my relationship, that, that we need services all the way from the first songs that are sung through the altar call and the altar service that are designed to enhance relationships, relationships with each other, relationship with God, that, that, that are designed to just magnetize you, draw you, pull you in to God. That's, that's what we need. Uh, Brother Nichols was telling me. He said, "Well, I tell you what I remember about Calvary Gospel Church." And he said, "I was coming down to Madison and was involved in some of these political things." And he said, "I just slipped in." He said, "The impression that this church left on me." He said, "You had the longest altar calls." And he said, "I just sat back there, and I was just magnetized by the power of God, just moving like waves." Praise God. Isn't it great that we can have a service that, that relationships are, are stressed? You draw closer to God and, and closer to each other. I had the opportunity to talk with a dear saint who was having some severe problems. I mentioned this. You know, the, th- the thing about it is, you know, I-, I-, I told this dear saint, you know, I said, the thing about it is, this is the way life stacks up. You know, there'll be one moment that I will be in the arena and I will be fighting and somebody will be my coach on the sideline. They don't fully understand what I'm involved in. They cannot. Because they're not walking in the same shoes I'm walking in, and I'm not walking in the same shoes they're walking in. So as a result... I'm in the arena and they're my coach. Maybe tomorrow the roles will reverse. See, they'll be in the arena and I'll be their coach. And there's certainly nothing wrong with depending on each other, calling on each other. But the bottom line is it doesn't make any difference how much you depend on your brother or sister. If you don't have a live, vibrant relationship with God, you cannot make it. And I found this out, that when people lean on me and they do not have a relationship with God, it tends to destroy my own faith. In other words, it 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 wears away. I become weary, frustrated, tired. But when people lean on me for strength, and I know they're also praying and seeking God and leaning on God, oh my, it, you can just feel a, uh, an undergirding of strength and power. But you let people lean on you that won't pray. You let people lean on you that won't take your instruction your advice. And I'll assure you one thing, it doesn't take very long for that to just drain all of your strength right out of you. All of it right out of you. Praise God. Do you have enough faith that you'd, when I say faith now, I'm not talking about relationship. I'm talking about faith in a different sense. Now, your belief in God, do you have enough faith that, that you could give your life for Jesus? I don't know that, maybe some people here would say, yes, I, I would do that. I don't think any of us would really know what we would do until such an hour approached. I do believe, though, that if you have been faithful in your relationship with God, when the hour comes, that God would give you all the strength and the assistance that you need to to lay down your life for the Lord. Um, I don't know that here in America that that will ever happen. But I do have this feeling, and I'm hearing more and more and more after I stood up and made this declaration, I really believe the judgments of God are resting upon America because of her immorality. I am hearing more and more and more of this. I just heard on the radio the other day some minister making reference to this. And he just openly declared, he said, yes, I do believe that we're experiencing a lot of Problems because, we got a ring in this, Don, I don't know where it's coming from. But uh, we're experiencing a lot of problems because of the immorality in our country. It's amazing how perverted and immoral America is becoming. And uh, our young people are, I don't know, they're just taught that you know, if you don't go through your teen years stressing sexuality and looking sexy, that, that you're just a nobody. And, and some people can grow up to being just plain old trash, feeling they're cool. Later on they realize how much they've been used and abused and how crazy that kind of lifestyle is. And then they wonder why they have problems living for God. I tell you, let me talk to you young people. More than you need a relationship with someone of the opposite sex, you need a real, genuine walk with God. You won't get it unless you read your Bible, unless you pray a lot, unless you fast and seek God. You, You won't get it. You simply won't get it. Hebrews 11, just such an intriguing chapter. And uh, for you who are not acquainted with it, I'd just like to read some of it, starting in verse 23. By faith, Moses, when he was born, was hid three months of his parents because they saw he was a proper child, and they were not afraid of the king's commandments. Now, in other words, when they say a proper child, for some reason, Moses' parents felt, that he had a special calling upon him. I don't really know when God calls, uh, or that is when an individual becomes aware that he is called of God. I know a long time before I gave my heart to God, I knew that if I ever lived for God, I'd be a preacher. I knew that. I caught myself preaching as a kid, even before I gave my heart to the Lord. Just kind of wanted to see what it was like, you know. And I can tell you that some of these children who stood up here and sung in the choir, that God has a calling for them. I know that. I just know that. And it is amazing how God looks at, at, at people. Now, I know that God is no respecter of persons. I know that. And everybody has their own, their own ministry. But for some reason, God seems to deal with people. Maybe it's because their heart is more open. You know, why would God send Richard all the way up here to Madison? But there's many, many people, I'm sure, in Puerto Rico that never get the opportunity that he has. Somebody has to come up here, and somebody has to go back and talk to those people then. See, that's the way the Lord works. It's it's just amazing, you know. He was a proper child. In other words, they saw that he had the calling of God upon him. Well, he was small enough to stay in a in a little makeshift cradle basket art type thing to go down the Nile River. He was small enough not to, you know, turn the thing over, so it must have just been an infant. And yet the calling of God was upon him. The calling of God was upon Jacob while before Jacob was ever born. I remember preaching in nineteen seventy in Duluth, you know, you, you look at the conversions of people, and you say, Wow, I just I'm just amazed. Brother Luther was telling me about his conversion, how this took place. And you know, there's some strange things that take place in and around the area of salvation. I just remember one time I was up preaching, I stopped right while I was preaching. I looked at a lady that was sitting on the back. This lady was not a member of this church. This lady did not attend this church. This lady was a contractor's, local contractor's wife. And somebody had been talking to her about giving her heart to the Lord. And she says, no, I will not do this. And she insisted on it. And and I said, I didn't know this lady. It's a good thing I didn't know this lady. I just stopped and I said, ma'am, I want you to stand up right now, and she stood right up. And I said, now I want a couple of sisters to bring this lady down here because she's going to receive the Holy Ghost when she gets down to the front. Now, little did I know that when they approached her, she says, I don't want the Holy Ghost. And that's what she said. And I didn't know that when they brought her down and she looked at me that she told me, I don't want to receive the Holy Ghost. Now, I didn't know that she told me that. I heard her say, I want the Holy Ghost. That's what I heard her say. So I said, if you want the Holy Ghost, then you can have the Holy Ghost. And I put my hands on her head and began to pray for her. Guess what she did? She lifted her hands, and the next words that she spoke were words in unknown tongues. Can you believe that? And then she wept and cried and leaped for joy. And the sisters were so amazed, they called Brother Merrick over and they said, Brother Merrick heard of what she said. He said, Brother Grant, do you know that this woman just told you she did not want to receive the Holy Ghost? And so there she was standing. And I said, I didn't know what to say. I said, ma'am, I have never seen anything like this. She started weeping and crying. She said, you know, I said I didn't want to get it. But I've been praying. I've been wanting to receive the Holy Ghost. But she said, I've been so locked up in my traditional church. that I just couldn't make myself say I want it. But inside, when she said, I don't want to receive it inside, she was saying, oh, God, perform the miracle I want it. I've never seen anything like that before or since. Brother Merrick said, Brother Grant, you're the only man I know of who's prayed with someone that told you they didn't want to receive, and they started talking in tongues. He I said, I can't, believe, I can't only believe that. But isn't it amazing? And then there was a man that came up to me at the Minnesota camp, and he opened his Bible, and that same revival, he said, in the front of his Bible, he said, Receive the Holy Ghost. It was a 1970 date in Duluth, Minnesota, and, he, and here's what I preach, and he said, Brother Grant, I'm here to tell you. And he began to testify about how God had blessed this man. How he blessed his life. All these years, he's lived for God. I don't know what it was about Moses. You know, God has to call someone. And here, these parents said, this is a special child. All right. By faith, Moses, when he was come to years, he refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. Rather, Choosing rather to suffer afflictions with the people of God than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season. Now, I, I think sometimes, especially in the 80s and 90s, that we preachers are guilty of this. We have made people Feel that living for God will be just a bed of roses without the thorns? Really? But it is not altogether a bed of roses. God never promised you a life of ease. But could I tell you that life is not easy, Period. But in the midst of trouble and trial and tribulation, at least we have a God to go to. Man, when you see people that, I've been in the hospital praying for people. And they didn't even know how to call on the name of the Lord. And here, I mean, they're dying. They're fading fast. And you talk, they, oh, and they're just frantic. They don't know what to do. And you try to call on the Lord. The Lord is near. Oh, what a hope they find when somebody goes and talks to them. To say that there are not pleasures in sin uh, would not be correct. There are pleasures in sin. It can be a lot of fun. But you know how long it lasts? You know, it would be like you going out in 30 below zero weather with one match thinking that that little flame of fire will keep you warm all night. And you hold on to that little little flickering flame until it burns your finger. Oh yeah, you got hot, but you got hot only for a second in one little spot. And that's the way sin is, yeah. Go ahead, you can laugh. You can have a good time tonight, but tomorrow it's not going to be that way because sin was not designed to be fulfilling. It was designed to destroy your will. And a man cannot be saved against his will. Now, I do believe that God comes and restores the will. He he puts that want to inside of a person. Some some of you, when you first came to church, you didn't want to serve God. You didn't care anything about God. That was the furthest thing from your mind. But when a preacher got up and started to explain or expounding or preaching the Word of God, at the proclamation of that Word, inside of you a hunger developed. Oh, I'd like to give my heart to God. I'd like to be saved. See, that was what was happening to that lady that says, I don't want the Holy Ghost. But inside, that hunger was there. Oh, I wish I had the Holy Ghost. You know, if I'm speaking to somebody here that's just so locked in your traditional mold, in your, your church, and you do not have a live, vibrant relationship with God, you're going to miss out on something great. And, and I believe it's going to be heaven. Heaven will be a, heaven's going to be great at any cost. You could just stay right there. He said, well, mom's always been this, and dad was this, and grandmother was this. Look at the book. What does the book say? Notice verse 26, esteeming the reproach of Christ, greater riches than the treasures in Egypt, for he had respect unto the recompense of the reward. Basically, what he's saying is that Moses saw that living for God was A rich experience. His faith in God far outweighed all the riches of Egypt. Did you know that if you have the baptism of the Holy Ghost, you are a wealthy individual? But in materialistic-minded societies, usually we measure wealth only by how much money we have in the bank, house we live in the cars that we drive and the job that we have oh and we're missing it and then these same people spend every dime they have going to a counselor someplace because i don't know why i just got the i got a good job i've got a good home i've got a good i am not happy and they spend all their money you know, with a counselor, trying to, how can I be happy? How can I be happy? You need to take up counsel with the Almighty. You need to seek the advice of God. You can be wealthy, wealthy and rich, and not even have a meal to put on the table. And I think the bottom line is this, that when you give your heart to God, There are some hard, fast decisions that you have to make. If there's anything in this world that means more to you than your relationship with God, you'll never find that relationship. Now, this almost sounds like I'm just teaching here on Sunday night. But this we need to hear. By faith, Moses forsook Egypt. Do you realize that that Pharaoh could have... Moses could have been the next Pharaoh. Think about that. He actually could have been the man that drowned in the sea with the army. What do you think of that? But by faith he forsook Egypt, not fearing the wrath of the king. For he endured as seeing him who is invisible. Can you see God? I mean, a lot of people ask that question. I can't see God. I won't put my trust in anything I cannot see. Through faith he kept the Passover and the sprinkling of blood, lest he he that destroyed the firstborn should touch them. By faith they passed through the Red Sea as by dry land, which the Egyptians are saying to do, were drowned. Listen to this. By faith the walls of Jericho fell down after they were compassed about seven days. I mean, if you want to see something spectacular, people people by... The multitudes. Now, I'd, I'm just going to t- tell you something. You know, we have, the Bible says in the last days, men should be lovers of pleasure more than lovers of God. In the early years of Christianity, the sports arenas were eventually used as places in which Christians were openly executed. People became so pleasure-minded that they took sport in seeing Christians executed. People paid money. Now, we're so sports-minded, you know, and people are, there are people that, man, they drive all the way. I mean, you, you name the place, you know, if the Green Bay Packers, you watch what I tell you. If they have a winning team this year, Wisconsin will go wild. But now here are some people that walk around the walls of Jericho. I mean, I mean, you talk about seeing something spectacular. You think about this. I'm going to tell you, friend, that to see those people walk around for seven days and blow the trumpet and the walls fall down flat, that's greater than any pass, any touchdown. It's greater than any field goal. It's greater than any tackle that will be made by any Green Bay Packer. I am sure you that. Do you think about that? And you have a man like Brother Ray Nichols to stand up here. Do you know that that man's testimony is equivalent to what you read in the book of Acts? You think about this. This lady calls him up and said, I heard your ad on the radio. Brother Nicholas says, I didn't contact anybody on the radio, and I asked all around, and nobody heard my ad. I didn't place it on the radio. I was new in the country. I'd only been there, what, a day or two? I heard you were starting a Christian school, and to this day, he said, Brother Grant, if it was on there, I have no evidence, and I have not met anybody else that heard it. But this lady tuned in someplace and heard that he was in town. Then the story perished not with them that believed not when she had received the spies with peace. Can you believe that God cares about the harlot, the immoral? Sure he does. He died for them. And then we go into the many heroes of faith. And what shall I more say for the time would fail me to tell of Gideon, of Barak, of Samson, Jephthah, of David also, and of Samuel and the prophets, who through faith subdued kingdoms, wrought righteousness, obtained promises, Stopped the mouths of lions, quenched the violence of fire, escaped the edge of the sword. Out of weakness were made strong, waxed valiant in flight or fight. Turned to flight the armies of the aliens. Women received their dead, re, dead raised to life again, and others were tortured, not accepting deliverance. In other words, he talks about the positive side, but then he says. Obviously some were told if you will recant, if you will denounce your faith, if you sell out, we'll let you go free. But they would not accept deliverance. Not on those terms. Want to do it. Just want to do it. They can't remember when God called me in the ministry I had a good paying job my boss called me and said look why do you want to move down to Houston Texas and go to Bible school he said you, anything you want here in this company you pretty much have he said do you know what ministers get paid at that time I, I didn't have any idea Since then I've found out it's not always the best. But really, you you think about it. I never even thought about how much I was getting paid. He said, you're the only man that I know of that's going off to school to make a career of something. You have no earthly idea what you're going to get paid. Now, most people, when they go to school, they go because they pretty much know. You don't have any idea. But you see, inside of me, there was something that was growing and building. I could not refuse that call of God. I knew it was there. I knew it was there. Sister Grant and I in Bible school decided we wanted to give t- Ten years of our life to home missions work. And this is what I said. I said, now, hon, uh, God has given us three healthy boys, and, and we're healthy, and what we'll do, we'll just go into a city that doesn't have a church. And as soon as the city of the church rather, gets large enough to support a pastor, we will not accept the support. We'll go some other place. Because I feel that I'm physically strong enough to work with my hands and make a living. And and, and you and the kids will not have to suffer. And we'll turn it over to somebody else. And we did that. Why well, I never thought anything about Christmas for Christ. I remember when I went to Lacrosse, Crosse, Brother Blackshear was the pastor here at this church. And he called me and said, Brother Grant, you can get money from headquarters. And my first thought was, why do I need money? I can make a living with my hands. I've changed my clothes so many times during the day, I almost worn them out. You know, you, you put on a suit and you go teach a Bible study. You come back and you put on your grubby clothes and you go over to church and work. Then it's time to teach a Bible study again. And so then you put your suit back on. And then you go out in, in more casual clothing when you're surveying and canvassing and knocking doors. Then you come back put your suit on and go out to church. Teach teach the Word of God to, at the church. Then come back home, put your work clothes back on, and go back over to church and work on projects. I'm serious with you. And I've done that time after time after time. Now I am not saying this to put a feather in my head. I just know more about myself and I don't know about anybody else. But I'll tell you, you see, when you get wrapped up like that, when when the predominant thoughts of your mind are on other people and God, your tendencies to backslide are not there. Somebody asked me, I said, what is the key to, to getting a burden? I have prayed and prayed and prayed and prayed. I need a burden to go out and talk to people. I said, well... The bird, the key to get, getting a burden to, to witness to people is not found in praying alone. I believe in prayer. But I'll tell you what, if you want to get a burden, you do what some of these brothers and sisters do on Saturday, go out and just roll up their sleeves and say, I'm going to knock on some doors. You find out how a lot of people live and how unfortunate some people are. You go into some of these homes and listen to some of these sad stories some of these parents tell you. The real world. I forget the name of the boxer. It just comes to my mind though that Robert Kennedy when before his assassination he was on the political trail. He was in New York City and there was a a lightweight boxing champion, forget the name of the man, took him throughout New York, showing him around. And he was knocking on all the doors in some of these rough areas. He got back to the car that they were in, and the champ asked him, said, I want to ask you something, Mr. Kennedy. He said, you've got enough money. You don't need to do what you're doing. Why are you doing what you're doing? Robert Kennedy looked straight in the face of this championship boxer. He said, well, I discovered that my world is not the real world. And he said, the only way I'll understand humanity is to be acquainted with the real world. Let me tell you something. The church never wants to sell out to the point that it outgrows God. The real Jesus would not be content to just come here and sit on a pew and listen to preaching. Not the Jesus that I know. And I've gone places and taught Scripture and preached to churches that I knew that they all felt that they would outgrown Jesus. There was a time in their humble beginnings in which they didn't have much. And, and the people were out witnessing and talking and leading people to the Lord. But after a while, God blessed them. Blessed them with a great facility and you know, padded pews and carpet all over the place. And, and a pad underneath the carpet to kneel down. After a while, the people just simply outgrew God. In other words, they they were too good, they thought, to reach the real world. They sold out. That's exactly what they did. See, I'm a believer that if your life is worth anything, the devil has a plan to destroy it. Believe that. You see, the church is located right next to the gates of hell. I don't care how big the preacher is. I don't care how big the church is. I don't care how big his name is or whatever. You never reach the place in which the real world should not be considered. You can't do that. Because the real Jesus is out there. He's talking. He's dealing. He's dealing. But you see, when you camp next to the gates of hell, there's always the possibility that that lifestyle will overthrow you. you follow what I'm saying? And any church that's parked next to the gates of hell that has members that have outgrown the real world, those members will be overtaken and overthrown. Let me ask you something. Would you go to hell over your home? Would you? I told someone one time, they got so caught up in what they were wearing, the car that they were driving, and the home that they were living in, that they became unfaithful to the house of God. I said, if you like riches so much, you need to forget about this. Because God has a holy city waiting that would just blow your socks off of you. And you're wrapped up in this little old bitty penny annie thing you're wrapped up in. If that's what it impresses you, get your mind off of this stuff right now. Don't sell out over things like that. Get your mind on Jesus. Praise God. Praise God. Here, this wicked king came down and talked to Naboth. He said, well, this is right next door to... I'd, I'd like to take this church, and I'm going to, or this vineyard. I'm going to tell you, any church that's parked next door to the gates of hell, the devil would like to have it. And he'd like to say, oh, I'll give you a better place, some other place. That was the situation. He told Naboth, he said, I have vineyards all over the place. And truthfully, if you will just sell this one, I'll give you one that's bigger and better and more productive. I'll trade it. No, I won't trade it because, you see, what I have was given to me, and I appreciate it so much. I'm just going to ask these children that stood up that have the Holy Ghost. Do you understand how much heartache, trouble, persecution. Some of you are third and fourth generation Christians. Some of you, your grandfathers blazed the trail for you. Seriously, things have almost been handed you on a silver platter. Is there anything wrong with that? Don't take it for granted. That's the thing. And you see, that's what Naboth says. I will not take this for granted. I will not sell out. But he had that cherished position. But you know, the Bible says, Ahab was envious. He went back. And you know what he did when he got back into the palace? He thought, look, here I am, the king, and this guy's got this little old piece of ground out here parked right next to my palace, and I need it, and he won't let me have it. You know what he did? He fell across the bed and pouted. Just, I mean, pouted. His wife, Jezebel... By the way, if you want to find out any good thing about Jezebel, you're going to have to really search deep and long and hard in the Scripture. It's not even a very good name, is it? It really isn't. But here's Jezebel. She came and she said, Oh, hon, don't worry about this. I'll get that vineyard. You know what she did? She proclaimed a fast. She slipped in his office and took his seal. She wrote letters and signed those. And they were going to have a big, big fast. And you know what they were going to honor? Naboth. You better beware when all men speak well of thee. <laughs> they got him up there. And while he was up there being honored... I be mean, no one's to him. Jezebel slipped around and said, Look, I've got some money. And she found two guys that were willing to lie. Why don't you just step forth and say, He has blasphemed. Now let me show you how crazy this is. Jezebel. She didn't care anything about God. If you want to find someone who was very blasphemous... She was. But that's the, way she, that's the way she did it. And those men walked forth and said, Why are you honoring this man? Well, I heard him blaspheme the God of heaven. And Jezebel says, Oh, no. You mean he, the man we're honoring? We hold it, everybody. We have made a mistake. Have you ever felt like you've been set up? Boy, you're talking about a set up. Here is a man that there is no way he could have figured out what was going on. No way. You know, let me tell you something. My faith is not for sale. I have... There's one thing that I try to stress... Over and over and over to saints. Don't try to figure everything out. My, there are times when you try to figure things out and you get so confused. And you know what you end up doing? You end up doubting God. And there's nothing that severs or hurts your relationship with God like doubting. All of those questions, it just, it It deteriorates your relationship with God. Now you think this man, he's, wow, I'm confused. What's going on? He could not have figured it out. Okay, neighbors, come down. Can you feature this man being taken out and stoned? Because people lied against him. I've known the Christians that just haul off and fight you. If they knew you were telling a lie on. You, you lied. I remember one time having a talk with a man, and what he did was he was accusing another brother of lying. He said, he has lied, and he's going to pay. I said, I only see one problem in this. It's not the lie the man told or supposedly told. It's the reaction that it's having on your attitude. You know, you have a mean, ugly spirit. You've got the spirit of cursing on you because somebody told a lie on you. Sir. Not an though. You want to sell us this vineyard? No. He lost his life defending his position next to hell. Listen to this. And others had trial of cruel mockings and scourgings, yea, moreover, of bonds and imprisonment. They were stoned, they were sawn asunder. Were tempted, were slain with the sword. They wandered about in sheepskins and goatskins, being destitute, afflicted, and tormented. Of whom the world was not worthy. They wandered in deserts and in mountains and in dens and in caves of the earth. And all and these all, having obtained a good report through faith, received not the promise. They they saw it. God having provided some better thing for us that they without us should not be made perfect. They saw it afar off. There is a trick that was played, or there was a trick that was played on Naboth. It cost him his life. Did you know the devil is a master at tricks? It is a trick of the devil for you to feel that you're the only person that's having problems. It's a trick of the devil for you to feel that if you live totally right, that all will go well with you. Why? Some people, you read through this, and man, there are some people that are found in this book that it just seems like they never had a problem. But it's not true of all of them. But there's one thing that you will find each name recorded in Hebrews 11. The common denominator of every man there was that right on the front door of his soul was this sign this soul is not forsaken. went to the store the other day, and this is where I, I got the name for this message. I saw something that I wanted. And when I inquired, they said, no, that's just for display. We are sold out. And the salesperson said, now here's a little sign. It says, this item is not for sale. I said, what do I have to do to get this? The salesperson said, there's no way you can buy it. But you're in the selling business. I know. But everything you see around here is not for sale. The building's not for sale. I mean, there's a lot of things not for sale. And this happens to be one of the items. It's not for sale. I thought, dear Lord... I wish that every Christian I knew of would put a tag on his experience that read, this experience is not forsaken. Proverbs 23, 23, buy the truth and sell it not. My vineyard is not for sale. My relationship is not for sale. My experience is not for sale. Then I look in the 12th chapter of the book of Hebrews, verse 16. Lest there be any fornicator or profane person as Esau, who for one morsel of meat Sold his birthright. So proud for such a small thing. He was so hungry he had to eat, but he starved spiritually the rest of his life. I mean, he literally starved, spiritually speaking, the rest of his life. Praise God. We've had a good full night here at Calvary Gospel Church. I want you to leave with deep, sin- with a deep, sincere appreciation for your walk with God. I love you, brothers. I love you dearly. I love you, sisters. I love you dearly. In these, the closing hours of time, and I believe that. God spoke to us tonight and told us that. We need to stick with each other. And we need to stick with God. Let's stand, would you? Let's just sing the chorus, I need thee, oh, I need thee. And I know that I have Primarily preach to people of like precious faith. But if we have anyone here that does not have a relationship with God, I want to invite you first to come and give your heart to God. You'll never regret it. Oh, you'll never regret it. I don't know how much you feel you need God right now, but I'll assure you, the way America's going, the way the world is going, you'll fast reach the point which you understand how much you need Him. Let's sing it as you give much thought to this appeal that I make for you to come and give your heart to God. I need the hope to God. Some of you have been thinking about this for a while.